Today, we conclude our series in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. He's one of the 12 minor prophets, not minor in the sense not important, minor in the sense the book is shorter than many of the others in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was written about 600 B.C. Think about it this way, that's about 600 years before Jesus was born in a stable in Bethlehem. Habakkuk is a little different than the other prophets. Uh, They were messengers of God to the people, mostly saying, repent, turn from your wicked idolatry and disobedience, or bad things are coming your way. That's what all the other prophets were about. But Habakkuk was the people's messenger to God. Understand the difference? The other prophets, they were messengers from God to the people. Habakkuk was the people's messenger to the Lord. And he's representing them, and he's got some things he wants to complain about that he doesn't understand back to Jehovah God. We've seen now that in Habakkuk chapter 1, he's upset, verses 1 to 4, that bad stuff is going on in Judah the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom's already been destroyed by the Assyrians. And now Habakkuk is looking around and he's saying, wow, it's bad. If they don't straighten up, bad things are going to come to Judah in the south. He says it's filled with violence and destruction and conflict. So he's got a complaint. Why, God? Why aren't you doing anything about it? Why do you seem just to be ignoring what's going on amongst your children? Why aren't you doing anything? And then in verses 5 to 11, God answers Habakkuk's complaint. And he says this, you're right, Habakkuk. Things are bad in the south. They aren't doing it my way. They claim to be my people, but they've turned their back on me. They're living in rebellion. Uh, They're living in sin. Guess what? Verses 5 to 11, Habakkuk, I'm going to judge them. And I'm going to use Babylon and the wicked Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylon. They will be my tool of judgment. That's what verse uh, chapter 1 is all about. Uh, I'm going to use them. And then Habakkuk has a second complaint. Verses 12 to 17, uh, are, are you kidding, Lord? Are, really? You're going to use the wicked Babylonians to be your tool of judgment on your chosen people? Don't you know they're the meanest people on earth? They are the most wicked and violent and corrupt people in all the world? I know Judah's bad, but they're the worst. Why on earth would you use them to be your tool of judgment. Habakkuk chapter 2 is all about waiting and listening and watching. Habakkuk kind of goes up to a wooden tower, and now he's just going to wait, and he's just going to watch, and he's going to listen. And in Habakkuk 2, in verse 2, we saw this last week, the Lord says, Habakkuk, take down some notes. I'm going to show you some stuff. Write it down so you don't forget. And I would encourage you once again this Sunday, when the Lord shows you something, what should we do? Write it down. Why? Because we don't remember. We've got really short memories. Write it down so you can refer 
back to it. And in verses 9 through 19, the Lord gives Habakkuk a tour of what's to come. And what's to come are some really bad woes to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And as you read through that, woe to them for this. Woe to them for this. We looked at this last Sunday. Woe, what bad, horrible stuff is coming to King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. Now, today we're in chapter 3. And today we turn a corner. It's interesting, the tone changes as we get to Habakkuk 3. Uh, we were confused in Habakkuk chapters 1 and 2. Now confusion turns to clarity. Chapters 1 and 2, he's fearful, he's angry, and that turns in chapter 3 to faith. But what's really fascinating is that even though his circumstances haven't changed, Habakkuk's outlook changes. Isn't that interesting? He, nothing has really changed on the outside of Habakkuk's world. Uh, but in Habakkuk 3, we're going to see he's a changed man. His faith and his trust in God's plan go to brand new levels. Suddenly now, instead of being angry and complaining, he's confident. He's filled with joy and praise. There's a New Testament principle that shows us what chapter 3 is all about. So if you have your Bible, let's go to the New Testament. I want you to go to the New Testament book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, on your phone or in your Bible. And here's what James 1, 2 and 3 explain to us. This is a principle that, that really is beyond us if it wasn't here in the book. He says, Consider it pure joy... My brothers, my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. <laughs> Listen close. God's CrossFit gym for us is trials. The way that the Lord strengthens our faith muscles is trouble and problems. Because trials and suffering and pain increase our faith muscles in Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying right now. He says, the way that I'm going to make you strong and mature and able to not quit is through tough times. Through trials of all different varieties. And your trials are probably different than the people sitting next to you. But he said, there's going to be trials of all different varieties that make us strong and healthy spiritually. Tracking? Now, a couple thoughts before we head back to Habakkuk 3. First of all, it says it's not a matter of if, but whenever you face trials of many kinds. Are you ready for the bad news? It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of Give you another run at that. I think you can fill in the blank, okay? It's not a matter of if trials are coming your way. It's a matter of it's always true for us because the Lord always wants us to go to the next level. And if you're like me, I'm always thinking, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied, you know? Can I, can I just rest? Let's just keep on the plateau for a little while. And Lord's saying, no, no, no. I, I want you to go to new and stronger and more powerful on the inside ways with me. And the only way that happens is when trials come your way. Second thing 
we need to learn from James 1 and 2, 3 is joy is the column that we need to put trials in. But I want you to understand joy comes from a choice from the mind. It's not a decision that flows from emotions. Okay? Happiness, suddenly, whether I'm happy or not, that's all about my circumstances. And if it's raining this morning and you had plans, and now it's raining outside and those plans get canceled, what happens to happiness? <laughs> Goodbye. I'm not happy anymore because my circumstances didn't work out. Joy is a decision to put something in the right category. Actually, the word joy here, it's an accounting term. It means to put something in the right column. Track with me now. To put something in the column that it belongs in. So when trials come knocking at my door, what are you and I to do? We're to put trials in the right column, and the column that it goes in is what? The joy column. Because it's a choice of the mind. It's not about my emotions. It's about putting it in the right column. I'm going to put it in the joy column. Well, why would I want to do that, Pastor Jeff? Listen close. Because I know that when trials are knocking at my door, the Lord is doing something to make us stronger. He's going to make me grow. I'm going to grow closer to Him. I'm going to be more mature, more complete. I can stay longer under the trial as he brings them my way. That's why I put it in the joy column, because I know it's for my good. I know he knows what he's doing. So we have a choice. Think with me. What's the latest trial that's been knocking at your door? So are you going to put it in the I'm not happy column? I'm angry. I'm frustrated. Or are you going to follow James' instructions? You're going to put it in the joy column. Okay? And we got the uh, engine there. God's word says, put it in the right column. Now, Habakkuk, chapters 1 and 2, violence, destruction in Judah, all around things aren't good. What column am I going to put that in? Chapters 1 and 2, he put it in the feelings column. And it led to some pretty bad things going on in Habakkuk's thinking. Now, God's plan is to use Babylon, really, as the tool of judgment. He's angry, he's frustrated. That's letting the caboose lead. And when we let our feelings and our emotions lead our lives, it takes us to some really bad places. Chapter 3, here, here's what you need to understand. Suddenly in chapter 3, Habakkuk realizes, you know what, all of this stuff that the Lord is allowing to come into my life, the trials, the trouble, the suffering, I'm going to put it in the right category. And as we move into chapter 3, you're going to see he uses the word joy. I'm going to put it in the joy column. I'm going to realize, Lord, you know what you're doing, and I'm going to put it in the right column. The worry, the fear, the anger then, it turns to trust and joy and praise. The Lord knew that Habakkuk, the Lord knows that we don't get to chapter 3 Till we've experienced the questions and the complaints of chapter 1 and the waiting and the watching of chapter 2. So just in a minute, we're going to stand and start reading. And I want you to notice 
the amazing change that's occurred in Habakkuk's heart. Again, nothing changed on the outside. Things were still bad on the outside, but now on the inside, he's grown, he's matured, he's persevered through the trials. Have you located Habakkuk chapter 3 yet? On your phone, in your Bible, uh, we're going to stand together, and we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 6, and we're going to slide down verse 17 through verse 19. Okay, I want to give you a little heads up. Verse 1 has a really strange word. You ready? Shigioneth. You want to say it with me? Shigioneth. The commentator said that's an ancient musical sign. And I, I checked with the Hebrew scholar Chance the Rapper, and he said uh, that means to get shiggy with it. So now you understand that's the musical sign there for you. As we read, that's what it's all about. Verses 1 to 6, verses 17 to 19, let's read out loud together. Here we go. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigioneth. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand, where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled, and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, He enables me to tread on the heights for the director of music on my stringed instruments. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for inspiring Habakkuk to get uh, down on parchment exactly this dialogue between you and him. Lord, we're, we're grateful. We need this for our lives. We recognize, Lord, that to get to chapter 3, we're going to have to work through chapters 1 and 2. We're going to have to endure and face trials and trouble and pain and misery of chapters 1 and 2. Lord, some of my friends right now, standing today in your church, they're in chapters 1 and 2. So, Lord, would you speak especially to them? Some of them are confused Some of them are frustrated. Some of them are in great pain. Some of them are truthfully angry at you right now. Would you help them to understand the life cycle of trials? Lord, help us to learn today from your instruction manual for our lives. So would you instruct us? 
May the power of your word be active and alive. Might we be open to what you have to say to us. And like we do almost every Sunday, Lord, we invite the third person of the Trinity to come today in your church and be welcomed. You come and move and mold and shape. Speak clearly and personally to us. May the power of your word and the power of your spirit be welcomed to speak and nudge and prompt and encourage and comfort. Lord, you know exactly where we're at today. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. Habakkuk is facing the coming calamity of judgment. Please understand, the full force of the Babylonian army is about to rain down on Jerusalem and Judah. Murder and slaughter is what is in store for most of Habakkuk's friends and family. Maybe even Habakkuk, we don't know. Uh, What's coming down is the utter destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple, the presence, Shekinah glory of the Lord, And the best and the brightest of Habakkuk's friends and family, like Daniel, are going to be eunuchs. You can look that up if you don't know what that's all about. Or they're going to be concubines. You can look that up. It's not going to be good for the best and the brightest who are kidnapped and taken back to Babylon. So nothing has changed in Habakkuk's circumstances. I want you to understand that. So what changed on the inside? That's what we need to learn, right? What is it that changed on the inside of Habakkuk? I'd encourage you to take a note because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of you got it. So it's coming. It really is. Here's the first thing that happens. Habakkuk prays and reminds the Lord and reminds himself Lord, I'm reminding me and I'm reminding you what you've already done, what I've already seen you do, what I've already seen you accomplish. He remembers all the times that he's seen God work powerfully around him. Verse 2, here we go. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. I like this. Repeat them today. Repeat them In our day, in our time, make them known in wrath. I know wrath's coming, but Lord, would you remember mercy even while the wrath rains down on us? I like it. He says, Lord, you are the famous one. You are the famous God of the world, of the universe. Uh, I'm puny, Habakkuk says, but I stand in awe of you. Your mighty deeds are awesome. I know of your power. I know of your miracles. And you are majestic and mighty. He, he says that. And, and then I like it. He says, 600 B.C. Would you do it again? I, I've seen your power. I've seen your might. I've seen you work. Would you do it again? We'd say today, 2018. There's troubles and trials I'm facing I've seen your power. Would you work today? Would you work in my life today? 
a great place for God to work is when we're desperate. And I think sometimes we fight real hard not to be desperate. I would argue to be desperate is to be humble, and that's actually a place of power. Because when we finally cry out and admit, I can't do it, Lord, this is bigger than me. If you don't come through, I'm toast. That's where the Lord starts working his best work. When we finally humble ourselves and admit how desperate we are. I'm reminded of that old Chinese prayer. Lord, change the world and begin, I pray, with me. Change the world. But, but start that world change with me. And then starting in verse 3, Habakkuk 3, and you can just read down through verse 15, all the things that come to Habakkuk's mind. He, he reminds the Lord and he reminds himself of the mighty power of God. And as you read through that, he's talking about delivering his chosen people out of Egypt. Remember that? And taking them through the wilderness for 40 years and then bringing them across the Jordan River into the promised land. He's, he's going through God's book and reminding himself and remind, Lord, you are mighty and you've worked powerfully. And Habakkuk is saying, listen close, you're still the same God. You worked spectacularly then. You're going to work that same way now. I've seen you do it in the past. Lord, I believe you're going to do it in the present. You're awesome, and I remember how you delivered your people time and time again. And here's the point. Lord, even though I don't like this situation, even though I don't, I don't, I don't understand fully why you're about to do what you've made clear you're going to do, Lord, I trust your plan. You've never failed me once. And what do we know? And, and Lord, you're not going to fail me now. I don't know about you, but I've got to tell myself that a lot. Lord, you've never, ever failed me once up to this point, and you're not going to start failing me now, so I trust you. I don't like your plan. I admit that. I don't understand it, but I trust it. Now, verse 16 is amazing <laughs> because Habakkuk is still afraid and dreading what's about to come, and that's the second key point. He accepts what God is doing. First of all, he praises him. You're powerful. I know that. I've seen it. You've demonstrated it. Second key thing is he accepts what God is doing. Verse 16. I heard, and my heart's pounding. My lips are quivering at the sound. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm feeling a little decrepit. Decays creeping into my bones, and my legs are shaking. They're trembling. Yet I will wait patiently, catch this, for the day of calamity. I get it, Lord. You've made yourself clear. The Babylonians are going to attack and destroy and slaughter. Message received, Lord. I want you to know I still don't like it, but I accept it. And then my favorite two verses in all of Habakkuk are next. Track with me here. These are good verses. He commits, this is number three, and he trusts what the Lord is going to do. He commits himself and he trusts and he said, Lord, okay, I'm with you. I, I, I trust it. I believe it. I still don't like it, 
But here we go. Read verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the stock market crashes, that's not what it says, the crop fails, the fields produce no food, my place of employment goes bankrupt. Just plug it in. The fields, there's no food. There's no sheep in the pen. There's no cattle in the stall. Everything that I've been trusting in crashes. It's not there anymore. Do you understand? Because that was their economy. Our economy crashes. Here, here's verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Yet I I will rejoice. I'm going to put all of that awful stuff in the right category. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Jesus, you're the king of the universe. I've seen you work in my life in the past. I've seen what you've done in your word again and again with your chosen children. And even though I don't understand it, even though I don't like, I admit what's going on, I trust you, Jesus. Look at, look at, I trust you, verse 18. I, I trust your plan. I trust your purpose. I choose to put the pain and the suffering that's coming my way in the right column. And it's not a feeling and it's not an emotion. It's a choice of the mind. I'm going to put it in the joy column. I trust that you know what you're doing and you're out for my good. That's joy. Verse 17 Say it loud with me. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Can we get that up there, Clint? Verse, verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. That's huge. Put it in the right column. Get it there and keep it there. And finally, the last verse of Habakkuk, verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. <laughs> I like how Pastor Craig Rochelle summarizes. I've walked with Jesus enough through yesterdays. I know I can trust him with my tomorrows. I, I've walked with him enough in my yesterdays. I know Jesus, that I can trust you with my tomorrows. I want to pause now. I want to give you a modern-day 2018 example of the Lord taking something awful and working his plan and his purpose in our lives. Look at the screen. Here we go. We'll do the video now. Hey, Wallen family. Uh, this is Margaret Dudek, and she and her husband, Mike, have been a part of Walloon family for 15 years. Mike is one of the lead ushers in the second service. You may recall, Margaret, because last year, February 1st, on a Wednesday, she's in Puerto Rico visiting her son, Bobby, and while she's wandering around the streets of Puerto Rico, she was hit by a Mercedes, and lots of things got broken up. And the Lord almost called you home. Almost said, come on, Margaret, it's time to come be with me. But he didn't, and I'd like you to share a little bit 
For the last 15 months, what are some of the painful, hard, difficult challenges that you've uh, been through? Can you share some of those with us? Uh, yes, I've been through several surgeries, uh, some painful rehab, and uh, just not being able to do things for myself and having to depend on someone else, that's been really hard and challenging because that's not, that's not the kind of person I've ever been. I've been used to right. taking care of my own self and that was really hard. You're, you're the caregiver. It's hard to receive the care, isn't it? It is. I think we're gonna get a picture up, I hope we can, uh, to show this was right after you got back to the United States. That was after three weeks, is after that right? three weeks, yes. And you're at the U of M hospital and uh, things were still tough then. You tell us what, what kind of things were broken up and hurt and harmed when you got hit by that car. Uh, I had uh, two broken legs. And, and not just little bricks. No. I Major had, stuff. Yes. Yes. I had two broken legs. I had uh, my pelvis. Was, was crushed. Was crushed, cracked. Yeah. Um, I had uh, cracked ribs. I had a ruptured bladder, uh, and those were the major ones. I mean, and then you had some had, issues in your eye and your in your, yes, your brain too, right? I had a closed head injury, uh, and I also had what they called third nerve palsy. My eye was closed and wouldn't open on its own. Yeah, it's doing much better. Yes, it is. That's what two, three surgeries later, right? Uh, actually. My eye, I think, has only been the one surgery. Okay. Okay. Uh, because they didn't, they wanted to see where it was going to settle. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. So, all of this pain and trouble and trauma, and yet I see you up here smiling, and I've had you several Sundays come up to me and talk about how the Lord has used this accident in good ways. So in the last 15 months, what's, what are some of the good, positive, wow, look what you did, Jesus, even through a bad thing? It's made me bolder to talk to people about Jesus and to share what he's done for me in my life. Uh, just this past week, we were on Sunday, we were at BJ's, uh -huh. and uh, I'm sitting there listening to these people behind me talking about the power of prayer, and I keep on this, er, this nudge to talk to them, and I keep trying not to talk to them. Right. And then the next thing you know, Mike has left the table and going to get something else to eat, and I find myself up talking to these people and telling them my story and what God had done for me. And is that a normal thing? Why are you normally, let's get up and talk to strangers sort of a person? Oh, no, not, that's not me at all. You know. And the thing of it is, is that we all ended up having prayer together right in DJ's. Wow. Okay, what other things have you seen that you'd say, yeah, that, that's a good thing? How, how has it affected you? You tell me some more. You've had it, some more things you were sharing. Yes, it's made me appreciate my husband more. It's changed our marriage relationship. I mean, before it was kind of like, we were, yeah, we're married and we're, we're together, but we didn't really share things. And now we actually pray together every day. And wow. that's been a big... Wow. And... Uh, he did quite a bit to get you home. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. He ran into a lot of problems trying to get me home. Right. And uh, 
when he threw his hands up and said, I can't do this, Lord, you're going to have to right. help me, then things just started falling into place. Okay. Okay. And you, you shared one thing about our love like Jesus. That's our church motto. Uh, share a little bit about, uh, you had some honest thoughts there. I'd like to hear, have you share them. Uh, yes, I, I heard the thing of love like Jesus, and I kind of had my doubts. I hadn't really experienced it, but through this whole thing, if it hadn't been for my church family and their support, I would have. It's just been amazing, and i really come to appreciate my Walden Lake church family and everyone, and even, even East Jordan, I think, was praying for me, and I'm so grateful. Yes. Hey, Margaret, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. You've done good. Lord bless you. Thanks for sharing that the Lord even uses awful times to do good things. Yes, he does. And that has been true in Habakkuk as well. Thanks for sharing with us. Are you here uh, in this service, Margaret? She's usually a second service person. There she is. I want to conclude uh, this morning uh, by uh, really summarizing from a really great book, and I don't usually mention books that much. This is worth having. It's called On Guard. Uh, Last night on Amazon, it's 1287, in case you're interested. Uh, I will warn you, if this matters to you, uh, I wish he weren't. I'd give it an A+, plus, but he's an old earth guy, so I give it an A. But really, on guard, he is today our number one leading apologist amongst followers of Jesus. He is, he is looked at amongst the smart guys as the leading defender of the Christian faith. Here's what he says in that book. And I would encourage you, get that book if you're a reader. If we believe the deception that most Americans believe, even most Christians in churches like ours believe, here's the problem we got to work through. We believe we're entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Because after all, it's in the Constitution, right? So we translate that into our faith, and we believe... I am entitled to good health and growing wealth and daily lots of fun and happiness. Most of us, we think that's our entitlement. I should have good health and growing wealth and every day be happy and have lots of fun. So when that doesn't happen, I'm mad and I'm confused. Hey, God, you broke the deal. Hey, Jesus, what's going on? I thought you loved me. I thought you had a happy, wealthy, healthy plan for my life. Why are you allowing these trials to come knocking on my door? And now we're all messed up in our thinking. What if the Lord says, no, that's not my plan. That's not my purpose for your life. My plan is that you know my son Jesus, the Christ, and you live for him, and you grow deeper in your walk and relationship with him, and you choose to believe and receive him, and you follow him the rest of your days, but pain and suffering and trials are going to make you needy 
and dependent upon the Lord Jesus, and that's actually going to strengthen your relationship. You understand? If the deal was, oh yeah, you're always going to be healthy and wealthy and always having lots of fun, that's a problem. Can I just tell you that was never God's plan? That's certainly not found in the book. The purpose of life is not happiness. The purpose of our life is knowing Jesus personally and growing in that relationship. And as we grow and mature and get stronger in the faith, and how do we do that? Through trials of all different varieties, through all different challenges and pain and suffering and hurt. That's how we get stronger, and that's what you see in Habakkuk's life. As he works through them, he comes out in chapter 3, and he's more mature, and he's more complete, and there's a whole lot of joy going on in his life. I want to close our series by looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Would you turn there real quick? Uh, the Apostle Paul, I would argue, underwent a life of incredible suffering, incredible pain, uh, he endured afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, no sleep, hunger, shipwreck, riots. That's 2 Corinthians 6, 4, and 5. And now, here's what I want to close with. 2 Corinthians 4, I want to read verse 16. Here's how we conclude our series. Therefore, even though we're facing suffering, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day as we walk with Jesus. For our light and momentary troubles, that's what they are in comparison of eternity, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is what? It's just temporary just passing through. But what is unseen is eternal. It's lasting. It counts for everlasting eternity. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. Lord, help us to not lose heart. Outwardly, we're wasting away. The trials and troubles are wearing us down. But Lord, You've just said inwardly as we walk with you and your son daily, you renew us. Would you help us, Lord, to keep our focus, our attention, our mind on your unseen eternal plan? Would you help us every time trials and trouble comes knocking at our door, even this week? Lord, would you help us to put it in the right category? It's a choice of faith to follow your book, to put it in the joy column. Because when trials appear, Lord, that's what you use to grow us up, to mature us, to make us strong in your son Jesus. Thanks for your plan. Even when we don't like it, even when we don't understand it, thank you for being an awesome God who has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. It's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that we pray all of these things. Amen.